We're girlfriends of a certain age In midlife we got a lot to say So let's get loud We won't fade away Cause we're girlfriends of a certain age Hey, girlfriend, welcome to Girlfriends of a Certain Age, a podcast for women who are living out loud in midlife. We are girlfriends in real life, and each week we explore how to recover from being good girls and how we can live our best lives together. So, Shay, what exactly is a recovering good girl? Well, Jess, it's someone who used to care way too much about what everyone else thought about her, and now she doesn't give a bleep anymore. A little about us. We met in our 20s when we danced our butts off in the club together. And now we're dancing through life together as friends, entrepreneurs, podcasters, authors, and mothers in midlife. I'm Jessica Neighbor, and I'm a voice coach for vocalists and public speakers. I run ImpactVocalCoaching.com. I'm on Instagram at ImpactPublicSpeaking, and you can find me on YouTube at Voice Coach Jessica Neighbor. And I'm Fleshay Hesh. I'm a business coach and work-life balance expert for moms. You can find me at thebusymom.us or on Instagram at worklifebalancementor. Every week, we discuss a hot topic, including culture, relationships, and health to help you live out loud. If you identify as a recovering good girl or as a girlfriend of any age and you want to join our conversations, do it. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and girlfriendsofacertainage.com. Oh, and join our free online community where we'll share bonus content and after hours conversation on substack.com. Just search for girlfriends of a certain age at substack.com. Hey, girlfriend. Hey, girlfriend. I'm good. I am excited today because we have another girlfriend in the house with us, and we are so excited to share this episode where we get to interview this wonderful woman and learn more about her journey to becoming what she calls herself a badass coach author and motivational speaker. We are talking about Mahara Wayman, who is with us. Hello, Mahara. Hello, Hello, ladies. What a great day. I'm so excited. Don't you love Mondays? Don't you love starting a Monday off with a pod? Mondays are good. And for the girlfriends to just come along with us and meet a new badass woman, you know, doing her thing, leading, you know, really leading the charge on you know, leadership and owning this stage of our lives. I'm so excited to dig into this with everybody. Yes. So we're going to give you the official spiel about Mahara. And then you know how we roll, ladies. If you've ever listened to our podcast, then we are going to have our girlfriend chat with her where we go all over the place. But it turns out being something wonderful that we can all learn from together. All right. So girlfriends, grab your beverage, sit back, enjoy this chat with Mahara Wayman. And Mahara Wayman is a published author, motivational speaker, and certified mastery method coach. She is passionate about helping women create their best life through her writing and online group program, one-to-one coaching, and her podcast, The Art of Badassery. 
she began her journey of discovery on the island of Jamaica. The youngest of four children, she pranced in the rain with imaginary friends, ran away from harmless lizards, and decided lollipops were the best way to end a tough day. Her backdrop has changed over the years spent living in England and Japan. Today, she calls Canada home and prefers to end her day with a rich Merlot. She's proof it's possible to have a, quote, good life, but still yearn for more. When she left the corporate world, she took control and rewrote her story from the inside out, creating her best badass life. Now she uses her knowledge, voice, and powerful techniques to help her clients do the same. She is currently a board member of Empowering Women Entrepreneurs. All of the wonderful links uh, for her book, for her website that you can find in our show notes. Welcome, Mahara. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you guys. So are we. So the way we connected was you and I were in a women's networking group through another website called Alignable, and we were doing quick meet and greets. And when you introduced yourself with that badass in your title, my antenna went up. I was like, I like her. And then I also loved your curly sparkles too. So just full transparency, you are rocking it. And I just was like, oh, I need to know her some more. And then when we found out about how you're just totally in alignment with and uh, supporting women in this stage of our lives, which we find to be potentially the most rich part of our lives, if we can reframe it that way, I was just so excited. And I told Fulshay, we have to have her on as a guest. So I'm so glad that you signed on to do this and that you're here with us today. Me too. Well, the first thing that I'm struck with is that you two met through networking. It, it reminds me as a professional woman myself that networking works. Indeed. It's so true. And full disclosure, I get asked to join networking groups all the time. And I have to just go with my gut because sometimes I'm into it. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I fall into this trap of, oh my God, not another speed dating experience. But when I do trust my instinct, it always works out to be great. So to your point, networking does work. I also love the idea that it's networking has like a thing about it that feels very businessy and salesy. When I think about it more like conversation, community, it's really right. It's really meeting other people. There's something about terminology that has always put me off, quite honestly, that I think kind of made me shy away from it. But now that I look at it more as a way to be in community with each other, I'm all for it. So Mahara, I want to dive right in with you. Your journey sounds incredible. I love that you ended your day with lollipops, and I want to learn where you found these lollipops specifically. And then I also would just love to hear what was the journey you had through your corporate life to realizing something needs to shift and how you went about doing that. Was there an aha moment? Was it a gradual progression? Uh, We'd love to learn what this journey for you has been like. Beautiful. Thank you so much for asking. Well, just to go back to lollipops, had a sweet tooth. Just saying, I've always had a sweet tooth and my family knew that. So when I was miserable, out came the treats, whether it was a lollipop, or a hard candy, Chinese sweeties, which is a, a preserved plum that's then rolled in sugar and salt. And okay, it's a crazy candy and it's not even, but it's beautiful. Um, whatever it was or tambourines rolled in, in sugar, mm-hmm. I love sweets. And I learned early on that my body loved sweets too because they made me smile. So 
Now I'm older. I like I like more of an adult suite like the Merlot. I still have Dairy Queen though. No word of a lie. My husband and I have chosen our properties based on their walking proximity to Dairy Queen saying still happens today. Oh Almost gosh. 60 and ice cream is like major in our family. So that's my love affair with sweets. My journey through the corporate realm was very interesting. I, as a young adult, I was an entertainer and I loved being on stage and it was great. And then when I struggled to make ends meet, I heard my mom say, honey, do you think you could get a real job? And I went, okay. And I got a real job, said goodbye to acting and dancing and started to just make money. I found my way into the corporate world by mistake. And I always felt a bit of a fraud Mm -hmm. because I had a limiting belief that in order to be successful in the corporate world, you need to have a business degree or a business background or a corporate background or of which I had nothing but a great personality. So as I made my way up the corporate ladder, loving it, great company, I bought into this idea that in order to be successful and viewed as a success, I had to look like I was successful. So I had to have the nice clothes. I had to be slim. I had to live in a nice neighborhood. And I really enjoyed providing for my family. I did. I have a great life. But then one day when I was sitting on the couch with my teenager at the time, my youngest of two children, I turned away from her as she was talking to me to answer an email at about nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And she tore a strip off of me because she's that kind of a girl. And I realized that I was getting further away from my values in an effort to wear, in an effort to feel like I was doing what I should do in the corporate world, which was get a promotion, make more money, do better, be recognized as the, as the go-to person in my, in my field. And I was very, I was ashamed actually, because she just looked at me and said, what are you doing? You and I are talking. Mm. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I said, Oh honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was the wake up call that I needed. And I began to realize that I just wasn't having that much fun working 50 hours a week. And I want to be very clear. I did this because I thought it was required of me, not because I was asked to or I felt that I, my job was insecure if I didn't. This was all on me. I thought, oh, I got to make sure that I get, you know, I got to make sure that I'm seen as working extra hard. I have mm-hmm. to make sure that. And who paid the price was my family because the laptop was always open. I was always working. I was always putting the company's needs before my own. The best thing that happened to me was when a year into COVID, I was invited to leave. And I remember going, I get to go. (laughs) I get to go. And the HR department was like, Mahara, can you let us finish the spiel? You have to let us finish. Which of course I did know because I had unfortunately had to let go hundreds of people during the first year of COVID. The company I worked for, we were an in-person company. And when in-person meetings stopped, Mm -hmm. so did a lot of opportunity for work, a lot of my staff. Bottom line was I recognized almost instantly that this was exactly what I'd been asking for, an opportunity to work hard on my dream, not somebody else's. So I was very clear with my friends and family I almost wanted to break into song, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Like, <laughs> don't cry for me, guys. I couldn't be happier. Got a little bit of a settlement, and I'm going to go after the dream. So, so you really, in that moment, had like that reaction, Mahara? Instantly. Instantly, you felt like, oh, thank you, relief. Well, interesting. 
I'll be completely honest and vulnerable. Well, not vulnerable. I don't give a shit. I didn't mean to swear. <laughs> oh, no. Swear away. We're cool okay. with swearing. Well, it's, here's invited. I, I grew up. I grew up understanding that um, we create our reality. I had a very forward-thinking father who always said to me, that's not your business, that's the universe's business. Just, you know, don't fret about how, just be very clear on what it is that you want. The universe will create it for you. So I was very aware of, that. this is how I believe that life works. And when about a year before COVID, I began to not like the job or not, I began to feel unhappy for all these different reasons. And then when COVID hit and I started to see the writing on the wall, somebody else in my position was invited to leave. And they obviously got some sort of a bit of a settlement because that's just the corporate world that we work in. And I remember thinking, oh my God, well, that's kind of a cool thing. You get Mm -hmm. to go and not worry about a few months or a few weeks or whatever you end up having of income. Okay. I'm into that. And I know I said that to the universe. And I know that a year later, the universe created it for me. So it wasn't a shock. I'm not a moron. I could see the writing on the wall. There is no business. I get it. And I did say, okay, I would like to have an opportunity to live for a year or however long it ends up being while I develop my next career. Mm -hmm. And the universe brought it to me. So that's why it wasn't that's, I recognized it for what it was. Fascinating. That's incredible. Can you tell us what the dream was at that time? What, what did you think well, you wanted to do? I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I didn't realize that you could actually make money being a motivational speaker outside of Tony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey. Hmm. But I remember when I first got hired on with the company, part of what I did was to talk to people. And I realized because of my theatrical background, I'm just a natural presenter. Like, I love it. And I love making a difference in people's lives. So I would picture myself on stage talking to hundreds or thousands of people. But I didn't know what I was talking about, just that they were all smiling. Hmm. So when I dabbled in being my own boss before this corporate experience, I was in multi-level marketing. I've been in multi-level marketing a couple of times, all the way from my 20s through to my 40s. I always pictured myself talking to lots of people. like So I knew I wanted to be a motivational speaker of some sort. When I began to investigate what that meant, I realized that there was also something called life coaching. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's kind of what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Oh, I I didn't realize I could work outside of the corporate area doing this. So I just knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew that writing would be a part of it because I love to write. And the very first thing I did was to start blogging because I thought maybe I'd be a blogger because I understood you could make money as a blogger. But then I realized, oh my God, I can't write every day. Like that's mm-hmm. way too much pressure. So I stopped blogging after about two months. I love that. And so can you de- describe for us now, how do you package up your work, the work that you do to help people transform their lives now? How do and add it in your own words? Great question. So as I said, I don't blog anymore. I did write a book. And the book is very much tied into what I believe in. And the book is called Essential Insights to Living Your Best Life. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's a bunch of lessons that I've learned that I wrote about and why I think think it's an essential insight. So I do have a book. I have a group coaching program called Build Your Best Badass Life, where every week I connect with women 
And there's a workbook that goes with it. But we talk about some of these essential insights. I just launched a podcast, The Art of Badassery. I am passionate about women recognizing that you don't have to be anything other than who you are. If you don't want to wear high heels, fuck it, wear sneakers. If you don't want to wear makeup, don't wear makeup. If you want to wear makeup, go for it, right? So I think it's important that we all understand that being badass doesn't have to be difficult. It really is more of a surrender than a challenge. I'm surrendering to the fact that I really don't like the clothes that I've been wearing. I don't want to look that way. I want to look this way. I'm surrendering to the fact that, oh my God, I'm 40 pounds heavier than I thought I wanted to be, but it's actually not that bad. Oh, I'm surrendering to the fact that if I don't wear a wire, whatever those types of wire bras are, <laughs> then I'm actually quite comfortable. That it's okay for them to sit a little lower than when I was 20. Like, why do, why do I have to wear a bra? And, and he doesn't have to wear anything. I can, I, his nipple, I, he's got nipples. Yes. Yes. Right. Why are they, why do we have to cover up our nipples? Right. No. What is that about? Why do we have to cover up our headlights? I love that Mahara so much because what we discuss a lot on this podcast is the recovering good girl right? That we both identify as good girls who are in recovery. And I, it really strikes me that I think you had to play that role in your corporate life and to take on that role. It's also interesting that when you identified at the beginning, it sounded like you almost had a little imposter syndrome. And even though you rose through the ranks, it makes me curious if that helping fuel your need to prove yourself. And I love that your own daughter, this youthful person could just take you in and kind of go, what are you doing? I'm here with you and you're not here with me. And I just think that that's such a beautiful wake-up call and ties into kind of a recovery idea that we're doing something uh, to prove something that is not our own true morals uh, and beliefs. It's it's something that we're proving outside of ourselves. And I can absolutely relate to that myself as a recovering good girl that I, for years, felt like I had to work a certain way and grind and work so hard and and work the longest and have the most clients to prove something to, I'm not even clear who, honestly, but I know it wasn't helping me. Do you relate Very to that true. term recovering good girl? And does that resonate with you about how you feel like your journey has happened in work? It's interesting because I, it wasn't until I studied to be a coach, an official coach, that I realized how much crap I had in my own life. And to me, I was quite shocked. I remember going, you know, I took a year long course to be certified as a mastery method coach. And Half of the course was on business, how to build a business. And the other half was learning the tools. And I remember being so disappointed that I wasn't going to get to the business section until the second half of the year, because I don't have a problem, people. I just need to make money. I just need to build a business. I don't have any issues is what I was thinking. And like two weeks, not even that, maybe like one week into it when we did some sort of a exercise and this amazing, our amazing coach, you know, talked us through this exercise. I was like, oh my God, I've got so many limiting beliefs. How am I ever going to make it in this world? And then I kind of chuckled and thought, okay, now I understand. Do you understand? Part of my challenge in the corporate world 
stemmed from childhood. I am the youngest of four. And I talk like an idiot, constantly nonstop. I'm Sagittarius, very excited, very gregarious. But I grew up with my siblings telling me to shut up. Mommy, make her shut up. Oh my God, would you ever stop talking? Stop talking. Shut up already. Of course, I didn't realize it, but it really did affect me. And so I grew up being quiet. Mm -hmm. I grew up when I was feeling a little bit insecure, not speaking my truth, not putting my hand up until I knew, unless I knew for sure I was going to get the accolades. Or I knew for sure there was no way anybody could be mad at me for doing it, then I wouldn't, I'd stay quiet. So um, I recognize that childhood, and I'm not going to say trauma, but just the way that I interpreted things and the misunderstandings that I placed and the stories that I told myself in me all the way through really came to fruition in my corporate world. When I realized, oh, Her there's that feeling again. My Is my brother in the room? And of course, of course he's not. I'm very close to my siblings, but I carried that story through with me. And it's why I'm so passionate now to help other women recognize story and recognize that success is an inside job. It's not based on your title. It's not based on your bank account or where you live or how you look. It's totally an inside job. I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, you absolutely did. And just to add on to that, the messaging that I hear when I'm working with women in communication, either around public speaking uh, in front of an audience or even in their day-to-day -day communication, is it, that is such a common theme that so many of us were told to shut up, literally, to stop taking up so much space. We received messaging from our family and from our culture at large that we are being too much. When we we were just speaking our minds. You were just being your little chatty Sagittarius self, right? Just like I was being a very dramatic young girl. I went into theater and singing myself. But somewhere along the line, I got told that I was too much. And that was very confusing. And that is such a common theme that many women here and many other people, I think for many groups can identify with that as well. So I just love that that is part of your mission now is that you are writing your book, doing your podcast, doing your coaching and showing other women, hey, I can do this too. And to your point, you don't only have to be Oprah to do this. We all can do this. And I think in community, the more we do this and reflect back to each other, how capable we are. It's a healing for every single one of us girlfriends. What I love, and thank you for saying that, what I love most about this idea of community is, and I learned this earlier on in my life, is when you look someone in the eye and you listen, they feel, oh, I'm here. You see me. Yes. You, you see me. And whether, regardless of what I speak about, whether I'm bitching, crying, laughing, telling a very bad joke, or telling a beautiful story, when you look at me and see me, I am anchored into the universe and I realized, yes, I am supposed to be here. So community is everything. And that's why I think meetings are magical and women supporting women. There is no power like it. Sorry, guys, but I'm telling you, you got a, gr a group of women together versus a group of men together. These men are shooting the shit. The women are changing the world, my opinion. Women share differently when it's just women, especially when we agree we're going to come together and support each other that we share differently than when we think some dudes can hear us. That's what I've noticed. Yes. So you mean when we feel like we're in a safe space with just women that we interact differently? Yes. Hey, girlfriend, Flesche here. 
Life as a mom can be a journey filled with love, laughter, and all those unforgettable moments. But let's face it, being a working mom can sometimes feel like you're juggling a hundred things at once. So I'm introducing Work Life Motherhood. It's a newsletter designed exclusively for working moms like you who are seeking both emotional and practical support hosted by yours truly. With Work-Life Motherhood, you'll join my community of strong, inspiring moms who understand the joys and the challenges of balancing work and family. Inside each issue, you'll find stories, articles, and interviews that tug at your heartstrings and remind you that you are not alone on this journey. But it's not just how you're feeling. I'm also here to empower you with practical tips and strategies that make your daily life run more smoothly. I'm talking about time management hacks and self-care strategies. Girl, I've got you covered. You can subscribe for free to Work-Life Motherhood and give yourself the gift of thriving as a working mom. You can find the newsletter at substack.com and do a search in there for Work-Life Motherhood and find me, your girl Flushé. I'll see you there. Hey, it's your host, Jessica Neighbor here. I have a question for you, girlfriends. Do you identify as a nice woman and you need to have a difficult conversation? You know, the kind that stresses you out either at work or at home? Oh, I get it. Me too. It's our good girl complex. And that's why I created the communication guide, Nice Women Can Say Hard Things. It's going to show you how to have that difficult conversation using strategies and tips that have helped my other communication clients over the past 20 years. Your guide is going to show you a script, a checklist, and remind you of the do's and don'ts so that you can speak your truth and get what you need. You can get your own free copy of my guide, Nice Women Can Say the Hard Things, in our show notes here, or visit me over at my website, impactvocalcoaching.com. And remember, we can say the hard things and still be kind. Hey, girlfriend. Hey, girlfriend. Oh, I just got off a call where my other girlfriend was so confused. She is in a relationship. They're at a crossroads and she's a little divorce curious at the moment. Ooh, what did you tell her? I mean, what do you tell a girlfriend? It's their decision. I just wanted to be there for her and support her, but I didn't want to tell her what to do. Oh, of course. Well, it reminds me of my dear friend, Tamara Mendelssohn, who's a relationship coach and divorce expert. She's divorced herself and a mom of two, and she walks girlfriends of a certain age actually through a process of being divorce curious. Uh-huh. Because some of us are just angry. Some of us are just feeling stuck in our relationships. But I'll I'll give you the link and I'll leave it below for girlfriends of a certain age as well. And they can get free immediate access to this roadmap and find out from Tamara what their next steps are. Oh my gosh, that sounds so helpful. I will definitely share that link with my girlfriend. Thank you. Amazing. You're welcome. And I'll link it below for all the girlfriends listening. Awesome. As I sit here and, and I can sort of feel some questions like from our girlfriends and like, I feel like the question that, that I hear them asking is that's all fine for you, Mahara and Jessica and Flashe. You guys found your thing. What's something I can do? How can I figure out my dream? How can I start to make that real in my life? Ooh, I love that question. And so, so important. And I say this all the time. It starts with being curious 
about yourself. So one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients is, okay, let's just ask some questions. Like, what do you like? What don't you like? You know, it's all about getting to know yourself better. And unfortunately, many of my clients actually don't know what they like because no one's asked them that in a long time or they haven't given themselves permission to do that. So, you know, what I would say to answer your question, Plache, is be brave enough to just take a breath and go, okay, I'm going to get to know myself. I'm going to question what it is that I want, feel like listening to, don't listening to, do, don't want to do, or I'm just going to become aware of how I feel in certain situations. Oh my God, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why does he drive me crazy? Why does that drive me nuts? Whatever the situation is, the more we can get to learn about ourselves, the easier it is to actually decide what our next step is going to be. If you ask yourself lots of questions and you realize, I don't fucking like peanut butter and jelly, then stop buying peanut butter and jelly. Or if, oh my God, I love ice cream, buy the ice cream. I love that. Do you think it also helps to be in a circle where other people are reinforcing that? Absolutely. Doing something and we're in the vicinity. Naturally, we, oh my God, I've just been given permission. So that's why the power of circles are so, that's why groups are so phenomenal. We learn from each other. Oh my God, she just shared that story. That means it's okay for me to share my story. Oh my God, she just admitted that she likes leather underwear. What the hell? They're underwear. Whatever the case may be, I'm just pulling stuff off. I don't actually know anybody that wears them. Wow. That sounds thing going on. But I notice in that too, and what I've seen in so many women of our age is the surprise. They are genuinely surprised because our interests are changing. Some of us are going back to things we used to love and maybe abandoned in childhood. But some of us, it's like finding we can get bacon out of our elbow. It's like, oh, I I wanted something different. I didn't know I could even question that. And that's a lot of what I see too for women at this stage of life. So this idea of getting curious about yourself and asking yourself maybe even, and then finding a mentor like Mahara actually hold our hands through that process and to look lovingly into our eyes and be on that journey with us. I think that's the most beautiful way we can be supporting each other at this stage of life. Mahara, in your experience, is there a stumbling block that you find to be a common hurdle for your clients? There's lots, but I think, I think a, a law of energy, as I mentioned earlier, the way that I think the universe works is as you get closer to something, more opportunities are going to come up for you to question it. So when somebody decides I'm going to work on boundaries, for example, I can almost guarantee that they're going to come at me the next week and go, you're not going to believe this. Not only did my mother, but my best friend and my boss all pissed me off this week because I asked about boundaries. Something came up where I was, the idea of me setting boundaries came up. So I think the major stumbling block is that whatever we're working on, when we decide to work on it, the universe is going to bring us opportunities to work on it. You say you want to speak your truth, sister, here's an opportunity. No, right yet, right? So it's almost that, you know, that old adage, be careful what you wish for. Yes. It's like, just be aware that if you want change, there is work that comes with it and you're going to be tested. You are, right? Because if it were easy, it wouldn't be an issue. You would get it done it already. And I think that that's such an important reframing is that it's the growth mindset. At our age, I think a lot of women will say, well, I wanted to change this boundary, but then too many challenging things happened. I'm just not going to do that. 
when what you're pointing out is the opposite is true. Like put that challenge out there in the universe and you are going to have to keep building that muscle time and time again. And to not look at that as threatening or discouraging, but rather, oh, okay, I said I want to do this. Okay, I am up for this challenge. I can be a badass. I can not give a shit any longer what other people think of me. And I can absolutely do this thing. But I think that I don't know if it's just a human nature thing. We don't want to change and we have all that resistance. But I think a lot of us feel like if I say it, then it is, it happens. And it's like, oh, honey, right? It is such a process. I was just going to say what I love about boundaries and this came up with some clients and I, I ended up creating a whole, a whole lesson around this is if we can change our mindset around the idea of boundaries and look at it as a beautiful opportunity to make someone else happy, then it's not so difficult. And what I mean by that is when we set a clear boundary, we are giving someone else a situation, the world, an opportunity to make us happy. And it's a gift for them and for us. So when I set a boundary, I'm not being a bitch. I'm telling you exactly how to make me happy. Isn't that wonderful? I'm telling you exactly what to do to make me like you or respect you or want to come to work. So I'm making it easy for you. Most of us don't think of boundaries that way. Most of us think, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to, I'm doing something that's going to make people not like me. And I say, bullshit, you're doing something that's going to teach people what to do so that you do like them. It's not about them liking you. It's about you liking them. It's not about them respecting you. It's about you respecting their behavior. It's quite a different way of looking at it, but I think it's kind of a fun way to look at it. That's powerful. That's powerful. I feel like a light bulb just went on. I know for me, and I bet a lot of our girlfriends too, and giving us that permission to set those boundaries, say the hard thing, and that we turn out happier. I love that. It's a win-win to have those difficult conversations. And like you said, you're going to you're going to have a more honest, real relationship with people if you're telling them what makes you happy and what works for you, because in turn, it's going to make them happier to be around you. 100%. Well, Mahara, you're delightful. I feel like we could talk all day. If girlfriends want to talk more with you, want to get to know more about you, work with you, where can they find you? Well, I've made it really easy. Everything on social media is mindfulness with Mahara. So my Instagram handle is mindfulness with Mahara. My website is mindfulness with Mahara. That's the best way to reach me is to go on any of those social media platforms. I'm also on LinkedIn, mindfulness with Mahara. Yeah, I'd love to connect. Wonderful. And is there any kind of program or opt-in that our girlfriends of a certain age can jump into with you currently? Well, I tell you what, um, Yes, on my website, I have a complimentary badass Bible. And it's a freebie, but it's a great way to help you. If being badass is new to you, it's a great way to help you ease into this idea of badassery. So you can just click on, you know, get your badass Bible here. I think it's like a little note across the top of my website. I do have lots of different ways to work with me not the least of which is my six-month group program, Build Your Best Badass Life. But everything is on the website. And truly, I love to chat with, with my clients. So anybody wants to ever book a complimentary session with me to just get to know me a little bit better, that's also available all throughout the website. I love it. Women supporting each other in community. It sounds amazing and beautiful. Well, we have one more fun question for you. We love to end our guest episodes with by asking you, Mahara, 
what in your midlife are you not giving a shit about anymore that your younger self used to worry about, care about? Calories. Well, I've always struggled with my weight. And I think, honestly, it's one of the reasons I got into being an entertainer was I had to go to dance class five or six times a week. And that really helped keep me in shape. But I've always counted calories and struggled, just like many women, I think, many people. And now I'm like, fuck it. I really want ice cream for dessert. Like, I really do. I want... I am hungry. No, I'm hungry. Yes, I ate an hour ago, but I'm hungry again. So I'm not... I haven't counted calories in many, many years. And I haven't done anything really structured around my eating or my exercise. I ride my bike a lot, but it's not because I want to burn calories. It's because I like to bike ride. So that's a big difference. I used to exercise to burn calories so I could eat more, but now I exercise because I feel like it. That all sounds love that. That is such a healthy outlook. I am on that journey right there with you. And I support that 100%. Well, my heart, it's been delightful. I can chat with you all day and I'm going to get myself a copy of that badass Bible. I just love the name right there. So thank you from us girlfriends of a certain age to another badass girlfriends of a certain age. We cannot thank you enough. Thank you. That was, uh, I could talk to you guys all afternoon. Truly, I could. I think my dog noise is like, okay, done. Mom, you're done. Let's go. It's been great. Wonderful. We loved every minute of it with you. And we, uh, we'll just have to do it again sometime. So thank you so much. Sounds good. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for hanging out with us today on Girlfriends of a Certain Age. This episode was produced by Jessica Neighbor at Impact Vocal Coaching and Flashe Hash at The Busy Mom. This podcast jingle was written and performed by Jessica Neighbor. Do you have a girlfriend who needs to hear this message? Share this episode with her. She will love you forever. If you enjoyed today's talk, join us in our private community on Substack at Girlfriends of a Certain Age. You can help us reach even more girlfriends when you take 30 seconds to subscribe and rate our channel on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube so you never miss another episode. Stay tuned for more episodes where we discuss more hot topics for all of you, our girlfriends living our best lives together.